Thank you, Martin. Let's pray. God, thank you for your words. And we pray that you would speak to us now and continue moving in this service. Amen. Amen. Uh, well, I'm sure that you'll remember the song that was released during lockdown, which was called The Blessing. And some worship leaders from all over this country got together to release The UK Blessing. And it, do you remember during lockdown when we couldn't meet, we couldn't come to church, and all the services were recorded at home? Thank the good Lord that those times are over and we can come back together. But this song was released by worship leaders and they all came together and they sang, the Lord bless you, the Lord keep you, the Lord make his face shine upon you. So it's taking those verses straight from the Bible to sing. And um, I sang last week, so I'm not gonna sing it, but you can probably remember the song, the Lord bless you, the Lord keep you, the Lord make his face shine upon you. I loved that song and it was released at a really, I think, significant time uh, in the country and around the world as people were fearful, uh, uncertain, unsure what was going to happen. The word of the Lord went out all over the place saying, the Lord's gonna bless you. The Lord bless you. Now the wonderful thing about being a Christian, if you're following Jesus, you don't just need a song to remind you of that truth. You've got the word of God. You've got the Bible that tells you what God has done for you today. Paul says this in verse three, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, he's worshiping God. Thank you, God. Why? Because he's blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. He's worshiping the Lord. He says, thank you, God. Why? Because he's blessed us in the heavenly realms, he says, with every spiritual blessing. Now, the Lord does bless us materially and physically, if you like. We can expect God's provision in our lives. But what Paul thanks God for here is what God does for us spiritually and eternally. So I love that song, The Blessing. I love it. But what we're gonna do, we're not gonna use the song to remind us of how blessed we are. We're gonna use the word of the Lord. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna go through these verses together and we're gonna see, because what Paul does is he unpacks, he says, thank you God that you've blessed us and then he explains it. So that's what we're gonna to do together. And I just really pray that this is such an encouragement to you, wherever you're at, in your life, in your walk with God, whatever's going on. So we're gonna break this down into three things. Firstly, Paul says that we have the past blessing of election. The past blessing of election. Look with me at verse four. For he chose us, for God chose us in him, before the creation of the world, to be what? Holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will. We have the past blessing of election. By, this I mean, by that I mean this. God planned, he chose to make us right with him. Paul writes that God chose us to be holy and to be blameless in his sight. And to be holy and blameless is to be made pure, to be made clean, to be made spotless. Uh, when I was taking a walk last year, you'll see a picture come up now. I came across, I was in Cornwall, and I came across the most beautiful beach. It's on what's called the Roseland, which is on the south of Cornwall. Just absolutely beautiful spot. And no one, I hadn't seen anyone on the walk, which is my favorite kind of walk in the countryside. I do like people, I do like all of you. But if I'm going to the countryside, okay, I don't really wanna see anyone. So they want, I was, I was really, really blessed because there was no one there and I came across this beach and I thought, ah, that is beautiful. And it was beautiful because 
No one had been on it. There were no footsteps. No one had been there that day. And I wonder if you've ever seen a scene like this, or maybe you've seen snow when it's just fallen. Can you picture snow when it's just fallen and no one's walked on it? Whenever you see something like that, you can use that as an image of like, that's what you were like before God. Paul writes that God chose to make us holy and blameless in his sight, spotless before God, perfectly clean, blameless as if we'd never done anything wrong, all our sins paid for and washed with the blood of Jesus Christ. You've been blessed as God has chosen to make you holy and blameless in his sight, just like that beach, if you like. The slide can come down. But it's not just the blessing here that God has made you holy and made you blameless. It's that he planned to do that. The past blessing of is of election. And now, when we get to the word election, that is a technical word, but let me try and explain it. And it's to do with what God chose to do in his mysterious plan. And when we get to the word election, we might get a bit nervous because Paul uses the word predestination. And we might think, well, if God predestined some, did that mean he didn't predestine others? And let me just try and explain it as simply to you like this. God chose to save those who would trust in Jesus Christ. God chose somehow in his eternal plan to redeem and save those who would trust in Jesus Christ. I don't understand it. Do you understand it? If you do understand it, please, I'd love to know. Please tell me. Jesus Christ is described as the lamb who was slain before the foundation of the world. Before the foundation of the world. This is why Paul says, God predestined us. God chose to save us through Jesus Christ. He chose to save the church. We have therefore the past blessing of election. Look at verse 11. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. It's a big sentence, let me just read it again. We were chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. We just had a little prayer meeting before the service, as we do. And Paul, who's leading worship, just chose to say, you know, we're asked, has anyone got anything to share? And he just shared this, God's got it. Is that what you said? God's got it. And I was like, that perfectly sums up this verse. God is working out everything in creation in conformity with the purpose of his will. Somehow he is weaving everything together for his glory. It doesn't mean that everything that happens is an expression of his will. When we look at the situations we pray for today um, in Gaza, between Israel and Mass, we might cry out to the Lord saying, Lord, what is your will here? How can this possibly be something that you are working out? We don't know the answer always, but we can trust that God is large and he's in charge ultimately. God is working out everything in conformity to the purpose of his will. And included in that plan was his plan of salvation. Paul praises God. God, thank you so much for your blessing. And what's the blessing of? That you have made a way for us to be saved. We have all of us the past blessing of election. God's blessing for us to be saved from our sin. But we also have another blessing that Paul goes into here. We have the present blessing of adoption. The present blessing of adoption. Look with me from the end of verse four. Paul writes that in love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ 
in accordance with his pleasure and will. That's a lovely verse. It was God's good pleasure to save us. He was pleased to do it. It's like it made him happy, if you like, to make it as simple as possible. In accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he has lavished on us. I love these verses. A friend of mine, when we were uh, younger, we decided, we felt very, very holy, and we're like, we're going to learn a book of the Bible together, and we're going to learn Ephesians, and I was absolutely rubbish at it, and my friend was excellent at it, and he could probably now still quote you the whole of Ephesians, which is very impressive, and I was useless, basically, but I do remember being really, really blessed as I thought about these words, and I'd encourage you to do the same thing. If you just want to be encouraged... Just get alone with the word of God and just meditate on this. In him we have redemption through his blood. We've got the forgiveness of sins and it's all in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he has lavished on us. He didn't hold back when he gave us his grace. He lavished it on us. And we therefore have not just the past blessing of election as in God's plan to save us, but we have the present blessing of adoption into the family of God and I love the word adoption. I love that way of thinking about the way that God saves us. It's such a precious thing to think about. It's so fun just to see all the children. That's very well timed, that lovely little one that's just come in. Um, just love to see all the children running about here today. It's just a picture of a family. And when we can look about, we can see, oh yeah, we're actually a family. We're not just a group of strangers. God has brought us into his family Verse 7 says that we've got redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, amen. Verse 13 says that we were included when we heard the gospel and when we believed. And this is Paul's crucial point. He hasn't, he's saying you haven't received this blessing of adoption by being a good person. He says you were included, brought in, when you heard the message of Jesus Christ and when you believed it. When you believed, we've been brought in. And as verse five, verse 5 says, we have adoption to what? I've just used the word family, which is true, but we also have adoption to sonship. Now, some of us might not be worried about this, but there might be some people who get offended by that because they think, Tim, I'm not a son, I'm a daughter. That's gendered language, I don't like it. Well, I have some good news for you. Adoption to sonship is important, and it's deliberately chosen. As you will know, I'm sure, Paul chooses the word sonship is because when you were a son, you stood to receive the full inheritance in a family, particularly if you were the eldest son. And you might be a child in the family in those times, but you might not get the inheritance if you weren't a son. But Paul says that we've all received, young, old, male, female, whatever, we've received adoption to sonship, as in we have the full legal status belonging to those. We have the rights belong to those who belong to God. We have the present blessing of adoption. And that's some good blessing. But we don't just have that, we've got something else. But before I come to that, I just wanna think about the way that we define ourselves for a second. I wonder if you were to think about yourself and your life, how would you describe yourself? You know, sometimes you'll see, there might, people might write it in social media, they might say, Tim Jones, Vicar, and then they might say son, friend. I'm not an author or a founder of something, but people like to put those things. 
But if you're in Jesus Christ, if you've received these blessings, you have a new status. You're not defined by your performance anymore, as in, I am what I do. You're not defined by your job or your lack of job. You're not defined by what you do. You aren't defined by your possessions, as in, I am what I have. That's another lie that our culture tells us. I was in Farrow and Ball yesterday, which is a very middle-class thing to say, but here we are, looking at the paints, going, gosh, they're all the same, basically. I don't know what to choose. And it's just struck me that having a nice house is something that really people just put so much status in. If you're following Jesus Christ, you aren't defined by the things you own anymore, how big or small or how nice your house is, how much money you have. So you're not defined by your performance, you're not defined by your possessions, and you aren't defined by your pleasure. And this is a very subtle thing that our culture says at the moment, which is, I am what I want. And I am what potentially brings me joy. You're more than that. You aren't just you are what you want. You belong to Jesus Christ. And you are who he says you are. Nothing else. And he says, you're mine. I've adopted you into my family. So we've got the past blessing of election. Somehow in the mystery of God, he chose to save those who trust in Jesus Christ. We have the present blessing, present blessing of adoption. And we've got something to come as well. We have the future blessing of unity. The future blessing of unity. And what do I mean by that? Well, let's look at verse 8 through to 10. With all wisdom and understanding, God has made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. Let's understand what's being said here. Paul is writing to this church to say that in God's perfect wisdom, he has revealed to us, verse 9, the mystery of his will. As in God has given us a glimpse into his intention and his design. And that will is, look at verse 10, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. And he's looking forward. He's talking about the day of fulfillment, which is talking about the end of all things. One day, everything is going to be brought together under Jesus Christ. Everything is going to perfectly express the will of God that's why we pray your kingdom come and your will be done. Because when we're praying for the kingdom of God, we're praying, Lord, would it be on earth as it is in heaven? Would the disorder of our world and our society reflect the order of heaven? And one day, Paul says, and the word of God says, all things are going to be brought together under Jesus Christ. And um, that might seem a bit intangible to us. What does that mean? When's it coming? What's that going to look like? But what Paul actually points out to the church is, the church is a picture of that unity that's to come. He describes the mystery of God's will. And he says it's been revealed, and it's actually been revealed in the church. And in chapter 3, he describes what this mystery is. So we're in chapter 1, but in chapter 3, he describes, in verse 6, this mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. 
God has brought together Jews and Gentiles. And in biblical terms, that's how the world is divided up. Somebody once said that there's only two types of people, those who've read the Lord of the Rings and those who haven't or something. And I really like the Lord of the Rings. But that's not how the Bible thinks. In terms of God's plan, you're either the Jews or you're the Gentiles. And Paul says, as Christ has come, what God has done is shown that he's brought Jew and Gentile together. As in, when Jew or Gentile trust in Jesus Christ, God brings us into one family. And we are one family. And therefore, there is nothing anymore that can divide us. So we're not divided by our age. We're not divided by our skin color. We're not divided by our class. We're not divided by how we talk or how we look or anything, any barrier that we might want to put in the way. We've been brought together. We're a family. And our unity is a little picture of the unity that's to come. And that's why it's so important that we love one another. Because that's how the world is going to know that we're the disciples of God. So we've got the past blessing of election We've got the present blessing of adoption, and we have the future blessing of unity, of which we experience just a little bit, just a foretaste now. And that's some good blessing, right? Mm. Too blessed to be stressed. And now I just want to encourage you today, when you hear this, not to count yourself out. Because you might think, Tim, that sounds excellent. I like the old sound of all that, Tim. I'm not sure I understand all of it, maybe. But I do like the sound of it. But maybe it doesn't seem like it applies to your life. Because you might look at your life for whatever reason, or you might look at the circumstances of our nation or the world, and you might think, yeah, but I don't feel particularly blessed. God's blessing isn't very apparent at the moment. And um, Paul has a very particular way of describing who these blessings are for. And he all sums it up as with this phrase, in Christ and this phrase, in Christ, is used 150 times in the New Testament. And we see here in verse 3 that we have received God's blessing in Christ. That we've been chosen, verse 4, in Christ before the creation of the world. Verse 7, it's in him, that's in Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. We've been chosen in Christ, verse 11. Our hope is in Christ, verse 12. We've been included in Christ, verse 13. And we've been marked in Christ with the Holy Spirit. To be a Christian is to be in Christ. And I've just, uh, to give you an illustration of this, can you all see my name? Well, if you can't, pretend like you can. It's okay, no one will judge you about your eyesight. Um, that says Tim, okay, and that's a Bible. And I want you to imagine that this Bible is Jesus, and that's me. And I am in Jesus Christ. I'm in him. And so are you. So you could put your own name on this and you could just think of this Bible as Jesus Christ. You're in him. And everything that is true of Jesus Christ is now true of you. You've been brought into the family in God's amazing design. He's brought you in and now everything that is true of him is true of you. So don't count yourself out. When you read these blessings, when you read all of this, it's not this far off thing that applies to someone else whose life seems to be going much, much better than yours. It's for you. You are in Christ. And if you're in Christ, you're in the blessings. And what blessings there are. I just want to read them out for you because they're so good. Are you ready for this? You have been, Central Church, we have been 
blessed with every spiritual blessing, verse three. We've been chosen before the creation of the world, verse four. We are holy, we are blameless, we are loved, we're predestined, we're adopted, verse five. We're under God's pleasure, we're in God's will. We are to the praise of his glorious grace for the first time, says Paul. We are redeemed, we're forgiven, we're rich in God's grace, verse seven. We're wise in understanding, verse eight. We're aware of the mystery of Christ, verse nine. We're chosen, we're predestined, verse 11. And we are for the praise of his glory for the second time. Thank you very much, Paul. We have been included, verse 13. We've been saved, verse 13. We've been sealed with the Holy Spirit, signed, sealed, delivered by the Holy Spirit, verse 14. We are God's possession. We're in line for an inheritance. And we are, for the third time, for the praise of his glory. Amen? Amen. And Paul goes on and on throughout the rest of the letter. He'll say things like, we are God's poema. His workmanship. You're God's workmanship. He's prepared good works in advance for you to do. He says, we're part of a whole new humanity. We've been made alive in Christ. We've been clothed in his righteousness. And on and on and on. And I want to say to this, don't count yourself out today, personally. This is for you. You're in Christ. And all of this, all of this wonderful truth is true of you today. But it's also true of the church. It's true of the whole body of Christ. If you look at verse 11, Paul writes, in him we were also chosen. Verse 13, he said, you also were included in Christ. And maybe the danger is when we come to these passages is we just think individually. We can think of it individually, which is amazing. You can read all of this and go, this is true of me today. But Paul says, you're also chosen. He's reminding the church that the church in Ephesus, just like the church in Bristol or so on, is just one small part of the wider body of Jesus Christ. And therefore, we should be a church that thinks about not just ourselves, but as we've been encouraged to do today in prayer, but to think about God's body, God's place of God's blessing. Because God loves the church. He loves it. He died for it. I've got some peas for you. God planned it. He purchased it and he purposed it. Praise the Lord for alliteration. God loves his body, the church. He planned it, he purchased it, and he purposed it. God planned it, as in he planned, he chose, he elected to save the church. He purchased it, as in he gave himself on the cross for the redemption of the church, and he purposed it, as in he planned that it would be a sign and a foretaste of those things to come, that his church would be the place where his good news goes out. Therefore, church isn't just a social activity, although it's a great place to come together. Church isn't just a place to have some friends, although isn't that a blessing too. Church isn't just a place where we get a bit of purpose because we get something to do and a bit of way of serving, or whatever it is you might want to add onto that list. It is all those things, but also somehow it is the body of God, it is the hands and feet of God on this earth, and it is the place of God's blessing. So this isn't the point of this sermon, but let me just say this. Who are you praying for at the moment to come into that family? Can I just encourage you again to keep going in prayer for them? You might just want to invite them along to a service here, or we're going to have Christmas services coming up soon. Invite someone in, because the church is the place of God's blessing. It's the family of God's blessing, and it's the sign of God's blessing that is to come. And I want to encourage you to know today that you are blessed. God has, what was the phrase that Sue used? Not bags of blessing, what did she say? Blessings galore. 
you've got blessings galore, but also God's plan is for other people to know those blessings too. So I want to encourage you to invite other people in. Why don't we say this verse together? Verse three is just gonna come up on the screen. Why don't we say this verse together? Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Amen. Why don't you just turn to your neighbor and say you're blessed. Turn to your neighbor. You're blessed. You're blessed. Mm. Amen. Why don't we pray together and then we're gonna keep worshiping. Let's pray if the band can join me. Lord God, you're so good. You're so good. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you made a plan to save us. And thank you that we've come to know you. And Lord, I just pray today you'd encourage us, all of us, with that truth. That we would know it. That we just have such confidence and joy in all that you've done for us. And also, Lord, we just pray and we lift up to the, those that don't yet know you. Our friends, our family, this city, Lord, our communities. And we pray that even through us, Lord, through this church, through your church, people would know your great love and all those blessings. And we pray all those things in Jesus' name. Amen.